Greetings in Jesus' name. I've titled the message this morning, We Are Writing a Legacy. Now, I've brought a message similar to this before, after the, the passing of, of ones, uh, not only in this particular congregation, but some other people we knew or were close to also. Um, I'm not doing it exactly the same this morning, and the title is even a little different this morning than it was before. The message will, of course, have some similarities in thought, um, and I, I'm again referring uh, to to a book uh, that I referred to before when I brought uh, a similar message. Especially for you younger ones, uh, and and younger ones, I, I say to you, this message is just not for older people. It's it's all of it's for all of us, because younger people, uh, you you children in school, uh, any of the, any of you that can understand what I'm saying right now, people remember you by something. Um, you know, hopefully, people will remember you by by more than that you were just funny or you acted like a clown. Hopefully people will remember you by more than that you were a naughty boy or an ugly girl or something. That, that would be sad if, if, if people would only remember you by that. How would God feel if that's the only way people would remember you? I'm speaking especially to younger ones now, of course. Um, so let me just mention about this word legacy, for especially you younger ones. I, I'm t I, again, the title is, We Are Writing a Legacy. That means me as I live and you as you live, you are recording something in the minds of people that know you. People will remember you by something. People re will remember you by things in your life. And so the word legacy, as it's used here, a dictionary meaning says this, a legacy, something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or a predecessor. Now, of course, an ancestor is someone that's directly related to you. A predecessor could be that, but a predecessor is more general. Uh, it could be, you know, like uh, say you were the president of a company and the president before you would have been your predecessor, or you were the secretary, and, and the secretary before you, you know, did such a good job, and they passed this on to you, and now you, you're challenged to do a good job, too, as a secretary, your predecessor, or the one that was before you. So anyway, a legacy, something that's transmitted to or received from an ancestor or predecessor or something that we, we receive from the, from the past. You realize I'm, I'm bringing this message because of the sterling example of, of, of my mother. Now, you know, sometimes there's people that uh, they look good in public. They look good and make a good impression at the right time in front of people in public. You come to find out by some way at some time that's not that may not be, be how they really are in private or at home. I stand here to, to tell you, and I think most of you know this, that 
the beautiful, the beautiful and stirring example that you knew, that you knew my mother as. That's how she was at home. That's how I remember her in the home that I grew up in. She wasn't two different people. And so she has left a, a legacy. Um, she has left something that is a challenge to me and her children and her grandchildren. Of course, her, her grandchildren, especially the younger ones, you know, only knew her in these old years. And so they didn't, you know, She's just an old person, you know. But, but we as children knew her for many years before that, you know, when she wasn't just an old person, you know, uh, when she was in the prime of her life. And uh, we can testify to the, to the beauty of our mother, to the sturdy example of our mother. And for that matter, our father also. But, you know, I'm thinking of this because of, of the, the passing, uh, the recent passing of, of, of my mother. <laughs> the, the title is in the present tense. We are writing a legacy. That the title itself, I worded that way, you know, to just state the facts. That is a fact. And to, to try to help us see the seriousness of that fact. The way you and I live our lives today, I already said it's being recorded in the mind's of those that see and, and know you. And what you did yesterday, they, re, re, they remember. And if we're here tomorrow, we will be continuing our legacy. We will be continuing to write our legacy. Uh, we must remember that men and women of, of Bible times were, were people of flesh and blood, just as, as we. And even it, it says that real straight out, of course, in, in the book of James, I believe it's chapter 5. Thereafter, it talks about um, anointing with oil and praying. Um, I forget now if it was Elijah or Elisha it says uh, he was a man of like passions as we are like passions as we or something like that in other words the writer James is saying it, he, was, he was this Old Testament character was, a, was a, a man of flesh and blood and has passions like we do and yet he had a, a relationship with God and, and he prayed earnestly and God heard his prayer and, and so forth. And so it's right to, to look at the sterling example of, of people and, and be blessed by that and be challenged by that. Uh, we have the book of, of Hebrews chapter 11. And, and at the end of the message, maybe I'll, I'll read a few of those verses. But, but beyond that, in, in the Old Testament, the reason it could write what it says in Hebrew chap, Hebrews chapter 11 about these people is because of what it was already recorded about them in the Old Testament. Of course, that's where the Hebrew writer got his information was from their lives in the writings of the Old Testament scripture. 
But it says things like this. Enoch walked with God. It says, Abraham obeyed God and went. It says, Moses was meek above all men and faithful. The Bible says that Noah was just and perfect and righteous. And he walked with God. And he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It says Job was perfect and upright and turned from evil. Now let me bring to your attention this book. Actually two books, but uh, this is the old one. This is the old one. This is the new one. Um, some of you are familiar with it. If you're not, I'm, I'm introducing it to you this morning, and, and you can, they come from Christian Light publications. If you don't have one in your home, you should. Uh, it's like a, a series of uh, how many different, uh, um, I believe 51, 51 different little short stories. Um, many of them and most of them are, can be, could be understood by by people of all ages. I mean, you know, the littlest children wouldn't understand everything, but some of them, the, almost the youngest children, uh, could understand. And especially for youth and, and teenagers and stuff, uh, they could understand. And, of course, for adults, uh, you could understand. Um, it was first published by the, by the author, and I didn't take time to read uh, this time, exactly how it came together. But Robert Stauffer, he's a minister in Black Duck, Minnesota. He grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, right? Uh, it mentions Mannheim in here a few times, so at least part of his time was spent at Mannheim. That was Mildred's address. <clears throat> um, but uh, he served... Uh, in mission work and voluntary service first and mission work and so forth in, in, in Canada, in, in northern Ontario. Uh, but um, he's the kind of man, I guess, that can, you know, remembers incidents and can, can, can write down things and, and, and help us to see God's hand at work in various things in life. And uh, so he, he, he wrote a lot of these down and shared them with his children. And at the urging of his wife and children, I believe it was, he, he you know, wrote more of them down because they had said, Dad, you told us this, and Dad, you told us that, and Dad, that was such a blessing, and that's just been such a challenge for the story you told us about what happened with your parents or what, with you and so forth. And... Uh, so uh, they said, you know, we have a legacy. Your stories are like a legacy to us. And so it was first published under the title, A Father's Legacy. A Christian Light then eventually started, uh, started selling it. And then uh, after some years, probably, you know, the first printing ran out or however many times it was printing, I don't know. And then uh, Christian Light talked to the author and said, you know, we'd like for this book to go on. And, you know, like publishers do, they say, well, you know, we could put a different cover on it and make a couple little changes or add some writing on the front or the back or something. And we would like to publish it. Could we do that? And, of course, he gave them permission. So they published it then uh, with a different title and with, a, you know, a little something written in the front and something written in the back and so forth. And so the new title is Worth Remembering, but it's the same 51 stories of the original book. Um, original book entitled A Father's Legacy. I would like to read to you from the, the foreword of the, uh, the original book. This was written by uh, the, the author's son, uh, Japheth Stauffer. Our father's legacy is not in the fine cabinets he makes, nor does it lie in the proudness, his proudness as a hunter 
or his ability to be a precision machinist. Our father's greatest legacy is his unwavering commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ. His loyalty to Christ has been a testimony to the verse that says, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. We have been blessed as children to sit under his teaching, to watch him take the normal ebb and flow of daily life, and turn those events into character lessons for us children. Oh, what a powerful example he has set for us as he has demonstrated by example the principles of God's word. So many times we get so caught up in the hustle and bustle of our lives that we forget to take a look at these experiences from a spiritual perspective and and thus miss out on the lessons God has for us. God told the children of Israel to set up stones by the bank of the Jordan River so their children would not forget what miracles he had done. In the same way, we would like to use this book to encourage each reader to look back and ponder the guiding hand of God in his life. Thank you, Daddy. May the Lord be praised. Japheth Stauffer. I'll just make a comment on one little part here, lest I forget to say it later on. God told the children of Israel to set up stones by the bank of the Jordan River so their children would not forget what miracles he had done. I'm speaking to a number of, of young families here this morning. There's a number, quite a few children here among us. You have fathers and mothers here. Parents, I'm just asking you and challenging you this morning. As you go through daily life, are you setting up stones so that when your children say, look back and say, hey, what's that for? That you can say, Johnny. That's what God did for us. That was the hand, that's a reminder of the hand of God upon our family. That's what God did for mommy or daddy. That's what God did for Susie. That's a reminder of the blessings of God in our lives and in our family. And in that way, your children know that you see the hand of God in daily life. And you see the miracles God is doing in your family. And you see the blessing of God in your family. And if you don't do that, how will you expect them to see God working in their lives as they grow older? Now, in the new printing then, the one entitled Worth Remembering, like I say, it, it has a little, it has a preface and something was written by, by Robert Stauffer, especially for this, this new printing, this new publication. And uh, I would like to read that. Memories and examples are powerful things. One cherished memory is the night our young family visited my aging grandpa, Brubaker. We asked him questions, a lot of them. We learned where he worked and how many cents an hour or day he earned. He spoke of walking miles to work and then back home again. Later in life, he worked at a feed mill, and in those days, they unloaded rail cars by hand. My grandpa must have been a strong man. When grandpa passed on to his eternal reward, I wished I had asked more questions concerning his walk with God and significant incidents which helped shape his life. Perhaps that desire was the seed God used to instill in me the urge to record things for my children and grandchildren. Each of these stories is true. They happen to us and to people we know. In some accounts, we did it right. What a joy to know we heard God aright and then, re- and then reaped the blessing that came from obedience. 
you will also find chapters from our Hall of Shame, where we learned some lessons the hard way. We have been reminded whom the Lord loves, he chastens. The truths revealed in God's word are often illustrated by happenings in our lives. Those lessons related to others may be stepping stones in their walk with God. These stories are special memories to me and to our family. I pray you are blessed by what you read and find them worth remembering as well. But more than that, I hope to provoke you to record how God and his word have been real in your life. If I could just comment on a sentence or two in this last paragraph. He began this last paragraph by saying, The truths revealed in God's word are often illustrated by happenings in our lives. And I would just say it this way, that one of the truths is that of, of, of sowing and reaping. And so if we as parents could be just straightforward and open and help our children realize, like he said, in some of the stories, they did it right and were blessed by God. In some of the stories, they have to say the story to their shame. They did it wrong, but they tried to learn from their mistakes. And if we can be like that to our, to our families and, and, and help us see, you know, the blessings of God and, and, and the discipline of God on our lives, uh, you know, the, the thing of sowing and reaping. And, uh, and uh, talk about these things in, in our, with our children and help them see the, the you know, the, the good and bad in their own lives and the, and the good things and the mistakes and so forth. What he's saying then in the next sentence, those, those, if we're open like that and relate to our families in such a way, that can be stepping stones in their lives. That can be stepping stones in their walk with God. I want to read to you now the first little, uh, little story for a couple of reasons. It helps us see what's really important in life. It's not how good a job we had or how much stuff we accumulated and how much money we left to our family and that kind of thing. It's not that. This, this uh, Robert Stauffer grew up with four brothers. There was no sisters in his family. He was just uh, five boys in the family. And uh, so, and at the end of the story, we see the, the dad shared the fact that, you know, I have five, I have five faithful boys. And that, that's such a blessing. Beyond that, it talks about an auction sale they had here to get rid of the family stuff. And see that, we, we in our family, you realize over the last few years have, have done that a couple of times. You know, we, we had a, a sale to sell some of my parents' stuff and a sale to sell some of Aunt Ruth's and her sister's stuff. And it just reminds us that time is moving on. And it just came to me in a fresh way, I guess, this morning or last night. Um, you know, that, that generation, my mother just passed away. and Of course, she was an in-law, but that generation now, ones that grew up in this church, that generation is gone. 
I mean, of that family that grew up in this church all their lives. You know, uh, my dad and, and then Aunt Ruth were, were the last ones. And of course, mother as, as an in-law, that, that generation's gone. Now, now of the family that grew up in this church, we're in the next generation. It, it, it's like James and, and Joy and, and Rosanna and myself and David, you know, and, and our spouses. Um, it just kind of struck me in a, in a special way. Um, time is moving on. So this auction that it talks about in here, we, we can identify with some of the things that are said here in this book. Listen closely. Uh, and he titles this, this little chapter, is Worth Remembering. With the verse at the beginning, John 6, 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. John 6, 27. My parents were not wealthy, well, not financially. They rented the small farm on which they raised us five boys. We raised seven acres of celery, milked about 18 Guernsey cows, and tended a few laying chickens. Our tractors were not all the same color, but they got the work done. Every Tuesday, one of us boys was privileged to help mother tend our stand at the local farmer's market. There we would sell our celery, eggs, and extra garden produce. Yes, we had a big garden. In fact, sometimes it was hard to tell where the garden ended and the cash crop began. Five growing boys eat a lot of food, especially in the adolescent and teenage years. Over the less demanding winter months, Dad reworked machinery for a local corn processing company. No, we were not wealthy, but we were healthy, had plenty to eat, and felt quite at home in our old farmhouse. Years came and years went. We boys grew older. One became a mechanic, another a carpenter, and the rest of us learned to make a living in machine shop work. One by one, we got married. Grandpa was getting older. He was the one from whom the farm was rented. He felt that with his age and health, it was time to do something about the farm. Dad could not afford it. And most of his boys were now grown, had other jobs, and several were married. Grandpa decided to sell the farm, and my parents decided to build a house. An auction was planned to sell all the things my parents would need, would, would not need. Auctions were always special times. As boys, we would watch, hopefully, as dad or mom bid on an item. Generally, it was something we needed rather than wanted. They gave us boys some ch change to purchase our lunch from the concession stand. But this auction was different. This time, we were the ones who hauled all the stuff out of the house and shed. We were the ones who lined up the well-used pieces of farm machinery in a neat row. We were the ones this time who were placing the things on the wagon to sell rather than looking on the wagon for things to buy. It was some of the stuff from our memories that was to be auctioned off. Most of my memories of that auction day are vague. I forget what the old Alice Chalmers brought or who got the old 420 putt-putt John Deere. The irrigation pipe which we had carried back and forth across the celery patch now belonged to someone else. Although they didn't know it yet, Dad's bees would be making honey for another owner. Someone else, I don't know who, had the high bed on the old celery planter that had carried us down long rows, clicking its watery click. But I do have one quite vivid, <coughs> vivid memory of that auction day. It was late in the day. The auctioneer and clerk had finished their business and gone home. 
The crowd had dispersed, and the concession stand was closed. I remember a neighbor talking to Dad. Dad and he had been close friends over the years. They and their boys had worked together, sharing their machinery and putting up hay. I don't remember what his, this, his neighbor asked or said. It was something to do with how my parents made out on the sale. What I do remember is Dad's answer. I have been farming all these years, he said, and now with all the bill, that all the bills are paid and all this stuff is sold, I have, he named the amount, dollars left. It is not much to show for all these years, but I have my five boys. Yes, my parents were not wealthy. We never had a new car or tractor. Hand-me-downs were common, and we boys didn't complain too often. Eating out was rare, as were expenditures for entertainment. Dad, however, did take time to shoot some basketball with us before we went in for supper. I recall winter evenings playing Peggotty. Dad was hard to beat. He took us boys hunting and fishing on occasion. When the church doors were open, we were there. And Dad showed by example the importance of reverence in and out of church. Our parents taught us by example the Christian graces of hospitality, kindness, and servanthood. We boys sometimes thought Dad took too serious, too seriously those verses about not sparing the rod and thus spoiling the child. But he did not provoke us to wrath by inconsistent discipline. We were taught that God sees us even when dad or mom are not around. So it was on that auction evening that it became quite clear to me that my father had not been out to make every dollar he could. He was not out hastening to get rich or trying to pile up earthly possessions or prestige. He had higher priorities. He had his five boys, and that is worth remembering. Now, we can think about uh, this quickly uh, in... uh, the fact, just to remind us and, and bring it down, you know, more specifically, uh, the fact that we are writing a legacy in three areas. We are writing a legacy in our homes. We are writing a legacy in the church, among our church family. And we are writing a legacy in our community. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. probably have broken this message down into a couple of parts, um, but um, I'm trying to decide, you know, what part to, to leave out here this morning. Um, I would just say this, as, as we think about these three areas, areas, we're leaving a legacy in our home, and, that, that, and by that I mean, you know, 
we are writing a legacy. I'm writing a legacy to my wife, and she's writing one to me. You know, in other words, uh, she remembers me by things, and I remember her by things. Um, we remember the children by things, and the children remember us as parents by things. So um, that, that's basically the home. And probably, you know, uh, if, 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 we can, if we can learn how to leave proper legacies at that level, it will go a long ways then in leaving proper legacies in the church and in the community. <clears throat> and yet, like I've said earlier, you know, you can, you can, you can look good in the community because the community people may not be aware of what's expected in your church or may not know what happens in your church, in your church family. So you can look good out there but maybe having problems relating to your church family and not leaving a proper legacy there. And so they're, they're not all the same, and yet I'm just thinking, you know, if we can learn to operate properly in our homes, I'm sure it will go a long ways. I know it will. And then leaving a proper legacy in, in the church family and in the community. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether ye go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. I'll just tell you right now, you know, if you need something for homework... <laughs> Or uh, parents, if you need something to, to, to stir you inside to be the kind of parent you ought to be to your children as a real basis, just take chapter 6 here because I won't have time to say a lot about it this morning. Just take chapter 6 very slowly and carefully and think about each line and verse and word and, and, and just take, maybe take a look at it for about a week or something and just, just digest it. But you see, it's already saying right there in verse 2, you know, how, how can you expect it to be your, your grandchildren to be like that, your son's son, or your son to be like this, if first of all, you are not. And it won't be in your son or your grandson or your granddaughters if it's first of all not in me and you. That thou, which I command thee, middle of verse 2, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life. Verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and thou may increase mightily, as the Lord God the fathers have promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And if you want to put something up on your refrigerator for a couple of weeks, verse 5 would be a, verse five would be a good one. Uh, with all thy might with all your soul, with all your heart. Uh, you know, not just something you do on the outside. Your children can see right through that, you know. Uh, my mother didn't just do, didn't make a show to make y'all think she was a good woman or something. That was her heart. And I already said she, she lived that way in her home. That's what we children remember. A wonderful mother and a wonderful example to, uh, as a submissive wife and, and, a, and a, a beautiful mother and, and a beautiful lady in the church and community and, and, and so forth and so on. Um, so um, it was in her heart. Um, verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligent to thy children. And shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Uh, verse 7 does not come before verse 6. And if you try to change them two verses around, it won't work. And, 
And that teaching that all it says in verse 7 is so important. But, but if it's not, first of all, in my heart as a parent, I mean really down-seated deep in my heart, you won't teach it to your children. Verse 8, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt, they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. I'll just read maybe two or three more verses, and then I'll stop. But, but you should, uh, for the homework, your assignment, you should take the whole chapter. Verse 10, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. In other words, it's saying your children should know without a shadow of a doubt that you're giving God the glory for all the good things in your life and in your family. That's what it's saying. Your children must see those piles of stones that when they look back, they say, Dad, Mom, what's that about? Oh, that's a monument. That's a reminder to the goodness of God in our lives, the goodness of God in our family, the goodness of God in our home, the goodness of God in our church or whatever. And the writer simply saying, you know, these are things in verse 11, these things that, that you... You didn't really do for yourself. It didn't, you didn't make these things happen. God made these things happen. That list of things in verse 11. In verse 10. And, 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 and don't try to make your children think that you were so big and smart and rich or something that you could make this happen. You, it doesn't happen that way. You had these blessings because God blessed you. And your children must understand that. Uh, for lack of time, we won't turn to Ephesians 5, but, you know, read the end of Ephesians 5, uh, husband and wife relationships, um, writing a legacy in your home. Um, Robert Stauffer already said, I just read it to you. Uh, of course, his, his parents uh, were consistent with the scripture about uh, uh, not sparing the the rod and, and spoiling the child, but he said, but his dad did not, uh, uh, what's the word in Ephesians, beginning of chapter 6, uh, did, did not, his dad did not pr- uh, provoke them to wrath. And it says that two times in the Bible, in Ephesians 6 and also in, Ephes- uh, in Colossians, uh, whatever chapter it is, maybe 3 or something, or 4. Um, <clears throat> I won't take time to read it, but there's a, a story, a, a poem in here that I, I'm sure Robert wrote it himself about his wife or to his wife. It's really about his wife. It's a poem about his wife. It's called uh, "That My Wife is a Keeper at Home. And it's kind of like a, a little love poem to his wife, somewhat at least, uh, some information about the beauty of his wife and how he loves his wife and she loves him. And... Uh, he ends most of the, the stanzas of the poem by saying that she was a keeper at home. So uh, you can read that. I, I just don't have time to, to read it. But I, I could imagine my dad, I mean, my dad didn't write poetry, but of course you know my mother did. But I can imagine my dad having these feelings and, and, and as it were, writing that to my mom uh, because he loved her so much and and held her up so high in his life. And I could just imagine him writing what Robert did about, about his wife here. My wife is a keeper at home. Let's turn to Acts chapter 9.
just give you a, a, a reminder of, of a lady that left a legacy. A lady that left a legacy in the early church. Her name was uh, Tabitha, uh, interpreted Dorcas. Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. It came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in the upper chamber, and so forth. I won't read every verse here. Um, Look at verse 39. Then Peter rose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Um, If some people over in Romania and other places around the world would know that my mom just passed away, they might be crying too and thanks for the the comfort tops they have they're keeping warm ones that she sewed together over the years thousands of blocks that she cut over the years and sewed together Um. and so then Peter prayed and raised her to life and so forth um, and presented her alive and so forth well that's just an example of a lady, uh, and the legacy she left in the, in the early church. Um, the leaders of the church, as God has ordained uh, leaders in, in all institutions of life, leaders in the home, leaders in the church, leaders in the, in the government, uh, but we're thinking about the church now. Uh, just quickly, let's look at two verses in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Um, we're writing a legacy. In, in the church, we are writing one. Hebrews chapter 13, just two, verses 7, and then verse 17. Verse 7, remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. We are leaving a, a legacy. We are writing a legacy in the, in the brotherhood, in, in, the, in the church family. And then uh, we are writing a legacy in the community. Uh, if, if you just turn back to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. <clears throat> just a couple of verses here about the community. Colossians chapter 4. Uh, Verse 1, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. So that has to do with masters, people that have people employed, relating to them in a proper way. And that that would be, you know, more or less or generally in the community. Then also verses uh, 5 and 6. Verse 5, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how to, ye ought to answer every man. Turn over just a couple of pages to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Verse 11, and study, and that ye study to be quiet and do your own business and work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. We're, leaving a, we're writing a legacy to our community. Yes, we are. I didn't just conclude, uh, you know, I could have read a couple more stories from the book, but lack of time, we won't. But let me just conclude by turning to Hebrews chapter 11, that great uh, hall of faith, 
Hebrews chapter 11, just noting several verses uh, in Hebrews 11. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. See, before he died, you know, in in other words, his life, his life testified to to his walk with the Lord. Um, Verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. That says something about the legacy you leave in your home. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Young parents, old parents, all of us parents. Are we preparing an ark to the saving of our house? You know, that's what Noah did. That's a legacy he left. Um, verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receiving inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. That's talking about walking by faith. That's the legacy he left. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And then verse 39 and 40 and first couple of verses of the next chapter. Verse 39, all these, these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. We are writing a legacy. We are leaving a legacy to those behind us. Those that have gone on before us have left a legacy with us. For us to read, for us to remember. Uh, May we realize the importance of leaving a proper legacy in our home, in our church, and in our community. Let's stand to pray.